from MPB Think Radio, this is Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, reading is fundamental. We've all heard the saying, but what does it really mean? Today, we'll discuss early childhood literacy in Mississippi and take a look at how the campaign for grade-level reading programs helped to ensure that every child in Mississippi can read proficiently. We'll speak with representatives from the University of Mississippi, Lafayette Oxford University, and the United Way of West Central Mississippi. Now, you can be a part of our conversation this morning by calling one 672 Well, good morning, Tara. Good morning, Michelle. How are you today? I am doing fine. It's Friday. Oh, thank God. It seems like we meet every Friday <laughs> we here. We meet every Friday. And I think we were thinking alike in the black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Tara, you know, we're talking about uh, early childhood literacy today, and I know that the education department here at MPB feels that that is very important. Can you tell us a little bit of why early childhood literacy is so important and why it's one of the main goals in your department? Well, of course, um, reading and early literacy is is very important, as you will hear our guests talk about today, because, you know, if our children, the earlier they get started reading, which is before birth, you know, some folks read to the children while they're in the womb and, you know, it just creates that, that, um, care and love for, for reading and develop those skills and um, vocabulary and how to form those sounds. And, you know, even when they aren't real words, you have to talk to your children very young. So in the early childhood um, department here at, in education, we all of our programs are kind of are rooted in literacy. Mm-hmm. Our Ready to Learn program is focuses on literacy. Um, our, even our parent initiative that we're doing right now, Parents Are Teachers too. you know, there's a reading component. And every event that we go to, we are giving away books. We are encouraged families to start their own home library. So reading is essential. And you, like you said, as we've heard and, and we know that, you know, it helps to um, create reading is the core of everything. It's the foundation. Thinkers, you know? what I've learned doing research, and we'll talk about this on our last show. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but this show has really taught me a lot of things that, or just made more aware of things that I just didn't think about every day, especially being a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, reading is fundamental, not to be a cliche, mm-hmm. but it helps build a strong thinker. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think it really does. Helps you who, what, when, why, where, those things that you learned in uh, primary school and elementary, that really helps you in your whole life. And if you can read, you never you never stop learning for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go places right from home and, and books are, you know, relaxing and, and you, know, you learn your knowledge, you grow, right. you know, right. from reading. And so it's just a very fun- fundamental um, thing that we should do and, and encourage our children to do and do together as a family, you know, because our children, children mimic what, what we, we do, do. <laughs> yeah and so um reading is very important and I, and I know our guests today are going to talk about some ways that we can encourage that in the household and what they're doing in the communities let's bring on our first guest to help discuss this further with you dr angela rutherford she's the director of the center of excellence in literacy instruction at the university of mississippi good morning dr rutherford good morning so nice to be here with you ladies, and I must have received the memo because I have on black as well. <laughs> That's uncanny right virtual there. Virtual black. Oh, virtual black. <laughs> oh, my God. We sent it through the airways. Well, uh, thank you for uh, spending time with us this morning and, and just letting everyone know how important uh, grade-level reading 
is in Mississippi and beyond. Um, I know you heard a little bit of, of what Tara and I were talking about. But before we get into that, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, of course, and the work you do at the University of Mississippi. Absolutely. So I spent quite some years teaching in K-12 schools in Mississippi and Alabama, and I've been across the gamut. I started teaching in kindergarten and moved my way up to 12th grade, so I really have this unique perspective of what happens when we have children not reading proficiently by the end of grade three because I saw them in middle school and high school. So when I finished my doctoral degree at Auburn University in 2003, I wanted to return to Mississippi to really impact um, what was happening in our state. And um, I've been here at the University of Mississippi since 2004 and have been working across the state with different partners to ensure that every child has the, the tools they need and teachers, most importantly, have the tools they need to provide that effective instruction. Your background is, is um, commendable in terms of what you do now, how you can move that forward. In terms of the campaign for grade level reading, I'm sure that makes a, a really good connection for you. So can you tell us a little bit about the uh, campaign for grade level reading and what the what it's really all about? Absolutely. Happy to do that. So um, the campaign for grade level reading in is a national network of communities, actually, with a focus on ensuring that all children read proficiently by the end of grade three, all children, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the socioeconomic status. We know that it's so important for every single child across our nation. Of course, in Mississippi, or our campaign, we're focused on students and families in Mississippi. But it's really about mobilizing communities to support what's happening in schools because we know schools are not set up to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So what can we do as communities to support what's happening in our schools so that our families and our children are are more successful? That is a tall order Mm -hmm. to ensure that... (laughs) Um, they're they're ready to read by third grade, a tall order, but a very necessary order. So uh, what are some of the, um, what's the key focus of um, grade level reading campaign? So of course the, the, the overarching goal is to ensure that all children are reading on grade level by the end of grade three. But we know it takes, just like you guys were talking about prior to, uh, the, my entering the conversation that we need to be focusing when kids are in the womb and certainly birth through. So we have a focus area on school readiness because we know, and we know from our Mississippi data, we have too many children beginning school already behind. They're not meeting that critical benchmark of kindergarten readiness. So that's one of our focus areas. The other focus area is related to attendance. So In order to learn, you have to be in the classroom. That's, of course, um, making sure that the instruction we are receiving, the kids are receiving when they're there, is effective and impactful. But we, we know that too many children miss too many days of school. So how can we ensure that families are able to get kids to school 
and are, what are the barriers in communities? And so, you... so school readiness, attendance, and then finally, the third focus area that we know that impacts third grade reading success is summer learning. Mm. And we've heard so much about learning loss um, during COVID because it's an extended version of summer um, learning loss. So that's the, the th- those are the three focus areas that we really challenge communities to think about and develop their own solutions for each of those three focus areas. Well, um, Dr. Rutherford, how does your work per se connect with the campaign for grade level reading? What do you do exactly um, being on the campus uh, of the University of Mississippi? So that um, Mississippi, the director of the Mississippi campaign for grade level reading actually sits in the Center for Excellence in Literacy Instruction. And I actually served in that capacity for about two and a half years or so. Um, and so within the center, our focus has always been on early literacy for the, the most part. If someone calls and needs some assistance with adolescent literacy, we're not going to turn them down, of course, but our focus has always been on early literacy and early reading. So it was just a natural fit for this campaign to sit within the center here at the University of Mississippi. So our strong partners, the founding fathers or partners of this campaign within Mississippi, um, those partners are the, the Mississippi Department of Education, the Mississippi Alliance for Nonprofits and Philanthropy, which was before that, the Mississippi Association of Grant Makers, and then the center here. So we, it's a really unique partnership, and the, the National Campaign for Grade Level Reading has recognized that we've done a, a, a really phenomenal job in Mississippi of engaging public and private dollars to support this campaign work. We're going to take a quick break and come back and continue our discussion on the importance of early childhood literacy. And we're going to get you to talk about some of your networking partners in Mississippi and how they help you with this mission. If you'd like to be a part of our conversation today, give us a call. You can ask Dr. Rutherford a question about early childhood literacy in Mississippi. The number to call is one 672 7464 Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, today we're discussing early childhood literacy in Mississippi with our guest, Dr. Angela Rutherford. Now, if you'd like to join in our conversation, the number to call is 1-877-672-7464. Well, Dr. Rutherford, before the break, I did mention that you do work with a uh, plethora of of network partners. Talk about how they help fulfill the mission of the National GLR Network. 
Absolutely. So we have currently eight recognized communities in the state. Um, Gulfport, you're going to hear from Lafayette County, um, Tamara Hilmer. We have Tupelo Lee County, Starkville at Tibaha County, Hattiesburg within um, southeast Mississippi, Indianola, Vicksburg, Warren County. You'll hear from Michelle Conley and Jackson. So those are our community coalitions, and they drive the work in their specific community. And within those community coalitions, they have a numerous level um, or numerous partners at different levels of support. And and so the whole, it's really about collective impact. Mm -hmm. So we know that as a community and as a state, we can set goals, but we need lots of people to help support that work to meet those goals. So each community has their own plan. It's called a community solutions action plan, and they set goals and work to to meeting those goals based on the plan they develop. They submit those plans within the um, to to the state um, director and then ultimately to the national network of of communities. And so it's a really great opportunity for communities to learn from other communities across the nation. We call those places communities with plans or places with plans. And their, their whole mission is to improve grade level reading. Dr. Rutherford, I have a um, question from an actual listener, did not call in, but sent a text. Um, Ask your guests if there is a special course of action for children who are somewhat challenged in learning. Within, just on an individual basis, is there a specific course of action? Yes, ma'am. So absolutely, the, the course of action would be we need to, first of all, figure out where, they, where that child is across the, the components of reading, phonological awareness, phonic, can they decode the word, do they have the vocabulary, are they fluent readers, and then is it a comp- is, um, and reading comprehension. So the first thing to do is determine where they are across those five components, dig deeply into some um, assessment data. So we would need to do a, a, an assessment to see where those opportunities are for learning and what we need to address and then develop that intervention plan, that instruction that the child needs to bridge those gaps so that they then can be successful readers. And it depends on the child as to how many opportunities they need to practice those individual skills within the components. And that's up to the interventionist to really then determine that sweet spot. So they've mastered this. Now let's move to the next opportunity. Why is third grade reading so important? I'm sure uh, they did a lot of research to make that point. But what research shows that by third grade it's imperative? So absolutely tons of research about that. And we know from that research and statistically what happens when kids do not meet that benchmark, that critical benchmark. Um, we know from our, our um, correctional data that the I would say probably 75 to 80 percent of incarcerated individuals did not meet that benchmark. And there's a fantastic podcast created 
and was just released in August by Emily Hanford, where she actually interviews some juvenile um, who are in friends who are in juvenile centers, and it it just will make your heart ache mm. for those students because they did not receive the instruction they needed when they were much much younger. So it's a predictor. We know from that research that if kids are, re- are meeting that benchmark, it's a predictor of future school success, high school graduation, which then is a pathway to jobs, careers, military service, post-secondary education. Um, so generally speaking, it is one of those predictive indicators that we do not want children to miss because we know what happens if they do miss it. Right. And it's that time when it's that transition for kids that have been primarily focused on learning to read and the expectation is when they hit fourth grade that then they're going to use reading as a tool for learning, reading and writing. Now, over the past few years, Dr. Carey Wright, of course, state superintendent here in Mississippi, has been credited with helping to raise the bar on the success of early reading in Mississippi. How does GLR fit into that success story? So, Dr. Wright, I cannot say enough about her leadership and her unwavering dedication and passion for children in Mississippi. Um, We are so blessed to have her in our state. And she recognized um, back in 2015-16 that we have that Literacy-Based Promotion Act Schools are working so hard to ensure that kids are meeting that that proficiency level. But would it, wouldn't it be great if communities could pull alongside schools to support what they're doing by supporting families and children when kids aren't in school? So I think we're still growing as a network. I think you can certainly see within the communities where we already exist that we have some high performers as far as district grading and proficiency rate for third graders, and even some as, you know, we use kindergarten readiness also as a metric to measure how we work, how our work is impacting that data within communities. So we're, we're partners with the Department of Education, and that makes our job as communities so much easier when they're carrying the load for the work that's happening in schools. And in some cases, in other states, that's not necessarily the the situation. And so the campaign for grade-level reading, in addition to supporting what's happening in the communities, are also trying to support what's happening in schools. We have our first caller today, Raylani from Hattiesburg. Good morning. You're on the air. You have a question for our guest? Uh, Good morning. I don't have a question, but it might develop into a question. All right. I, I just want to say that... As a second grader, I was one of the only children in my school who could read. So they would put me on a little box, and we'd read those little film strip stories. Uh, I'm 79, so that puts me way back. (laughs) Started to school in a three-room schoolhouse in Mount Carmel, Mississippi. But Anne worked on a degree in human uh, in health education for adults if children are not loved i don't care how many programs and how much money Mm -hmm. there is they're not going to learn Mm -hmm. and it seems that our i've watched 
teachers with going to classrooms where I had either had grandchildren or uh, friends' children who were not doing well and watched teachers. Some teachers need to go to the house. Mm-hmm. They do not love children. Mm-hmm. One, for instance, I was to help three little children who could not, uh, well, at the time I didn't know they couldn't read, and it was third grade. And the teacher told the students to take out their science paper, and they were going to study it and they because they were going to have a test, let's say. Well, three little children, I looked, and they had the paper in their mouth holding it up. Well, I gathered those three children back to a corner and started off with number one. And number two, I found out neither one of them could read. Mm-hmm. And the teacher had told them to study. How do you study if you can't read? And I want to still come back to that word love. I think your um, doctor can verify there are several research projects shown that if children are not loved, they will not learn. Mm -hmm. And it's a sad thing to say that seems to happen in many of our public schools. And I love public education, have no desire for it to be shut down. But there is a foot, a move afoot in America to shut down public schools. And parents, my mother, I was born, my mother was just 16. She didn't have very much to give me. But I learned to read at the fireplace with with lamp by a great-grandmother who probably had never even been to school. Or it went to third grade, maybe. But they were wonderful ladies, and they taught us great-grandchildren well hmm. with love. Thank you. Thank you so much for those comments. Unfortunately, we are all struggling with that, and I so appreciate our caller's comments from Hattiesburg. I absolutely agree. There are many teachers that need to go to the house um, because they have it for whatever reason. We definitely need to provide that support for them, which leads me into we must provide support for teachers in this new environment. I have to say, I'm learning how to teach my students virtually, remotely, and it is different. We have to provide that professional learning for our teachers and our pre-service teachers because we ca- we were caught in a situation that we could not handle. So I think that's one thing is that teachers are going to have to, um, or districts and our state, we have to provide that professional learning so that they know what to do. And we need some high-quality instructional materials for teachers to use so that they're not having to pull their hair out to plan these lessons. They're done there for them. They're ready to go, and they can concentrate on building relationships or, as our sweet caller called it, loving on children. They can build those relationships, even virtually. You've got to make those connections because she's exactly right. Kids will not listen they're not going to learn from someone they know exactly the teachers who are there to to help support them and who love them um before we go i want to ask you about the organizations and how can organizations become a part of glr absolutely we would welcome anyone who is interested so within those eight communities 
Um, there are certainly community contacts that I can point them to. The best way to find out more is just to send an email to MSGL Reading. So Mississippi MS grade level GL Reading at gmail.com. And we will put them in contact if they want community specific. If they want to join in with our statewide partners, then we will certainly help them and support them and figure out where the best place for them to plug in. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Angela Rutherford, for joining us today and having this great conversation about early childhood literacy in Mississippi and how important it is and how the campaign for grade level reading is helping to continue to make sure our students are successful in Mississippi. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I love to talk about reading. It is my passion. So anytime, I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, you stay safe and have a great, great weekend. We're going to take another quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our discussion on early childhood literacy in Mississippi with Tamara Hilmer from Lafayette Oxford University. Now, if you'd like to join the conversation, phone lines are open. The number to call is 1-877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever it is, we're here to help. Find out what we're all about and subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB Public Media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Now, today we're taking a look at early childhood literacy in Mississippi and how the campaign for grade-level reading programs help Mississippi's children. Now, before the break, we spoke with Dr. Angela Rutherford. Now, she talked about the work that the campaign for grade-level reading is doing to ensure literacy for Mississippi's children. Now, let's welcome one of Mississippi affiliate partners to the show, Tamara Hilmer. She's Director of Early Childhood and Reading Development with Lafayette Oxford University's READ program. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. How are you all? We're doing fine. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Can you tell us a little bit about your program and how you help to accomplish that mission in Mississippi? Yes, ma'am. So we have, um, I've been in this position, this is our uh, third year with the Director of Early Childhood and Reading Development. And we started in as the second community with the Campaign for Grade Level Reading uh, back in 2005. And so uh, our community came together and said, hey, we need someone. You know, we have this great network of, of volunteers and folks that have a passion for early childhood, but we need somebody to kind of take the reins. So our community has been great in coming together, and they created this position of Director of Early Childhood and Reading Development that kind of uh, takes the reins on this work in our community. 
And so we have tons of partners, United Way being one of our, our big partners there, and you'll hear from those down on the coast in a little bit. Um, uh, Dr. Rutherford and I have been uh, partners in crime for many years. I actually worked with her at Ole Miss before this position. But our libraries, our Boys and Girls Club, um, tons of partners, our school districts, our private schools and child care providers, um, we come together and work on those goals of school readiness, attendance, and um, making sure that our children are reading on, on grade level by third grade. And a lot of that that's come out here recently with COVID has been that out-of-school time. So we uh, grabbed the reins on that this summer, knowing we couldn't get around each other. And, like, we had summer National Summer Learning Week. And normally we would take our literacy bus out and have tons of um, activities through the uh, community. But this summer we took that and went digital with it. Um, through help with our United Way grant that we have, we made kits for every, um, for as many as we could. We had about 125 kits that we went out and put across the community um, with activities that they could follow along online with us um, throughout the summer through that week. And so we had about 4,000 interactions online through social media and our website that the community jumped in because they were like, we need this, um, especially being out of school since March. As some say, the longest spring break ever. <laughs> um, and so that was one way we did this summer and, and jumped in and, and helped out within our community. Um, something that uh, two projects we're about to get started on are a parent academy. So this would be our third year for parent academy. And what that is, is just kind of like, um, it's like school for our parents, for our families of our preschool children. So getting them ready for kindergarten, we go over different skills that they may need um, to accomplish before they get into kindergarten to be successful for that school readiness part. And so I know um, been talk I was on a call with Tara not long ago talking about um, how MPB can kind of help out with that and get the word out and get those training sessions out. We're looking at doing those online and again providing my goal is any pre-K student in our community, our Lafayette Oxford University community, to um, give them those resources they need to take part in Parent Academy. So um, we're just, we've got lots of things going on. We're just trying to do them a little bit different right now. Right. Speaking of different, what is the school situation in Lafayette County right now? Is it virtual, traditional, or hybrid? We have a little mix of everything. So um, in the county schools, they are um, in person. Our city schools, they as parents get to choose by the nine weeks whether they want to be virtual or in person. And um, then within, we also work with Head Start in the community and um, our preschool on campus at Ole Miss. And the camp at Ole Miss, they're in person. And then our Head Start program, they are virtual right now. We have another caller on the phone. We have Angela from Meridian. Good morning. Thanks for calling the show. Good morning. I would just like to follow up with the lady that called in talking about, you know, you can't learn if you don't have love. Um, I have been a parent volunteer in my children's schools. My children are 17 and 13, and we've only lived in Meridian for a year. So my, these experiences are from other states, but I think it's pretty universal. You can tell the teachers who love their students by the tone of voice they use with those kids. And I've been a book fair volunteer so many times I can run one in my sleep. And, you know, when the kids come in, if the gal running the fair is like, welcome, we're so happy you're here, you know, if you need help, if you don't, if you can't afford a book, we'll help you. The kids react totally different than if you, they come in and the lady's like, you sit down, 
you da da da. Throw your put your backpacks. At, you know what I mean? They're just like harsh from the kids from the word go. And I understand discipline, and I understand kids can be hard. Like I'm a parent, I get it. But teachers need to watch their tone mm. and how they talk to kids because you can see the kids shrink back. Mm. They don't want to be around that person, and it's especially heartbreaking when I've witnessed it in the school librarian. I mean, come on. You're the one who's supposed to be encouraging the love of reading in these students. And so the lady was right. She's totally right. And I think the biggest factor is tone of voice. And I don't know how that gets into teacher training, and I've written on however many parent surveys this particular teacher harsh with students, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not going to learn to read when someone is harsh with you. You're just not. And and, and I agree with her and, and y'all that reading, if you can read, you can do anything. But if you can't read, you, you know, your, hand, your, your hands are tied yeah, your from hand the word go. So I, I don't know how you train that. I don't know how you work on that. But, you know, I've seen it time and time again that teachers, the harsh teachers, and you can be tough. I mean, we all have that teacher that was hard on us. But they were fair, they loved us, and, you know, they talked to us with respect. And I think that's a lot of where we run into roadblocks. Because you can have all the curriculum in the world that you want. But if the teacher is mean, harsh, cruel, whatever, Mm -hmm. doesn't respect the student, it's not going to work. What do you guys do training-wise for teachers in that aspect? absolutely. So, um, you know, thinking about how do we support our schools right now because it's a very – as we hear all the time, difficult time right now. Um, one thing, all those partners that we have across our community, we distribute resources as much as we can because sometimes it gets overwhelming, especially when we're in front of a screen a lot and you kind of get fatigued from that. So we kind of try to hone those in and get them to parents. And so we um, give them family success guides and family engagement toolkits. But also along with that, something that that's really important right now is um, what we do within our elementary schools is conscious discipline. And uh, it talks about seven skills, and of those are composure, um, being assertive, giving choices, having positive intent, and having consequences. But big parts of those are encouragement and empathy. And we have really focused in, we work a lot with our preschools here in our community about empathy. And in our school districts, too, we're pushing – the whole child initiative and conscious discipline about having empathy. We are all, our nerves get on edge with all this because um, as, as the teachers that are out there, we're very big planners. And you plan and then it changes 10 minutes from now. So you have to have um, some composure and have some empathy and, and be encouraging to each other. And something that we talked to our preschool teachers about um, right before school started is build those relationships first. That's The, the, the academics will come. But we've got to make that connection with children. It's, it's a crazy time right now. Some households may be affected more than others. Um, you just don't know. And so have that empathy. Keep your composure and be encouraging and loving. Love on those kids as much as possible, and then the other will come. Because if that. they don't have that relationship, know that you don't know that you care and that you know you got to have a little bit of grace right now. You know, I, we have, you know, my household's a pretty, pretty solid household. But our internet goes down, so therefore we can't submit the right. things we're supposed to submit. You just got to have a little bit of empathy and, and understanding and some grace throughout all this. How can families get involved with your program? Absolutely. So we will 
Parent Academy is coming, so all, any of our parents of four-year-olds, and sometimes we include three-year-olds if they're ready for those skills, and then we may have some five-year-olds that are still kind of struggling. So we kind of open it up to three-, four-, and five-year-old parents. We'll have that coming out to you, so you'll be getting information through that. We meet um, right now virtually. We have out-of-school meetings um, the third Wednesday of every month at 9 o'clock. And I'll tell you where to get all this information in just a minute. Um, we have our quarterly meetings where we meet and talk about all our goals. Our next one is November 18th. And then something exciting that we have coming along, we have little free libraries um, across the community. We have about 10. We're looking to expand that by one or two, and then we're going to give some love to some of the ones that have been around a while. And we're kind of using those as hubs to get information out to parents, to ha- not only just have the books there, the information out to parents and we would love for them to jump on board with this project with us but everything that we do is on our website it's lourreads.org um, it's soon to get a facelift it'll look a little different soon but all of that information is there we're on twitter instagram facebook at lourreads38655 and just look us up follow us um, we try to hit all the areas that people kind of look out for information and, and we can plug you in somewhere as little or as much as you want to be, whether it's a, a business member, a community member, educator, parent, whoever. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. You have a great weekend. And, of course, we'll put those links on our podcast. We're going to continue our discussion with early childhood literacy with our next guest, Michelle Connolly, with United Way of Central Mississippi. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. We want to get to the meat of what your program does to continue the work with grade level reading in Mississippi. Talk about Vicksburg's Great Level Reading Coalition and how the United Way of West Central Mississippi helps to fulfill that mission. Well, I can tell you the work that we're doing here with our Grade Level Reading Coalition correlates perfectly with our education goals that we have at the United Way of West Central Mississippi. Um, Collectively, we all work together um, for kindergarten readiness, grade appropriate reading, and access to quality health care for all ages with the ultimate goal of making sure that we continue to increase that graduation rate and um, make sure that everybody who calls Warren County home is workforce ready and, and ready to be successful in their own life. I feel strongly that reading is the pathway to all of that success. But I'm also very cognizant of the fact that children who suffer from food insecurity or may not have their most basic needs met, um, we need to wrap their, our arms around them and love on them in um, other ways and in special ways. And I can tell you that's what I think the beauty of the Campaign for Grade Level Reading Coalition is. It's multifaceted. Um, our approach um, meets the needs of our children, our families, our educators. We do this, do this with a multitude of professionals who all bring different gifts and talents to the table. We focus on family support, access to quality health care, early educator support, access to books, after school and summer programs, weekend snack bags so that they have something to eat and they're ready to learn when they return to school on Monday. We have mentors. We um, definitely look at our after school programs um, and our summer programs and And we really want to make sure that the curriculum is horizontal and vertically aligned um, with both the inside the classroom at Vicksburg Warren School District, but also outside of the the school um, district, because it's important that we're all working together with a common goal and that we are meeting the needs um, of these children. Um, So I strongly believe being a part of the coalition 
um, has been inspiring for everyone. And I know during this COVID times, um, all of us say, you know, we are so challenged. We have so many barriers and we don't even have to look further than our nose to actually be reminded on a daily basis, if not every hour on what those challenges are because we have masks on us now and we've never had to have that before. So that is a visible reminder that we're, we're all struggling during these times. But I think here um, in Warren County, especially with our coalition, we have now, um, we've pivoted to let's stop talking about our challenges because if we do that, we're going to be talking about that for days and days to come. I think we all know and agree that we have challenges. But I think it's our part as leaders in our community. Um, what is our mission? What are we supposed to be accomplishing in this community? And how are we going to meet those goals? Despite any challenge that we may have, we can all still do great work. And our children are looking towards us to determine what their next step is going to be. And if we freeze and stall because we are going to accept our challenges as reasons to not move forward, then they're not going to move forward. And I don't think that's what any community wants. Somebody said the other day that we're building the plane that we're flying in and how scary that is. Well, I want to flip that. How amazing and exhilarating that can be to be building the plane while you're flying it, to have control of what your next day is going to be like, and to be positive about that and to instill those characteristics in our children, to love on them, to give them all that they need, and to wrap services around our children collectively. And I can tell you that the coalition has been put in place in our community to do that before COVID and even more now today. But the cool thing was it was already set in place. We already had the players at the table. We already knew that this is what we need to do to give our children what they need to be successful today, not necessarily tomorrow, but today. So with that focus already in place, we were ready to hit the ground after we figured out how to do it digitally through <laughs> Zoom and on the computer and all of this remote learning, which the kids are better at than we are anyway. So it's just, it's, it's just beautiful to be a part of, to be honest with you. Wow. You just summed up everything we were going to ask you in a nutshell. I love that. <laughs> you are amazing, Michelle. Uh, how can families get connected to your programs? You said, I, I know I want to reiterate, you mentioned the snack bags, the book giveaways, uh, the training for parents, training for teachers. Uh, you guys have a lot of programs and a lot of uh, partners in your coalition. Um, and you mentioned all of those programs. They sound wonderful. How can people and organizations if they want to be a part of this partnership, how can they get involved and families? Um, would encourage you to call the United Way of West Central Mississippi, 601-636-1733, or also look at the United Way Vicksburg Facebook page um, or go to our webpage, unitedwayvicksburg.org. Um, we um, definitely want to be transparent, and we definitely have a lot of partners, and we are all collectively moving um, towards the same goal. But I promise you there is always somebody out there that did not know, and they do need to join. How does this program help you every day? You said a mouthful with that analogy of the plane. I love that. I'm going to use that, by the way. But how does it help you personally every day working with families and organizations helping children with literacy? 
I'm getting chills now. I'm <laughs> glad you asked that question. Um, I've been here at the United Way of West Central Mississippi for six years. Um, prior to that, I was um, in Catholic education for 15. Um, every morning that I have gotten up professionally, my goal has to be, has been and it will always be make sure I provide children the tools they need to be successful. Make sure that we wrap our loving arms around our children so that they know that they can be successful and that there is hope um, for them to live out their dreams and be exactly who they want to be. Thank you so much, Michelle Connolly, Executive Director of the United Way of West Central Mississippi. Well, we've come to the end of another great show. We want to thank you for listening and thank our great guest, Dr. Angela Rutherford with the University of Mississippi, Tamara Hilmer from Lafayette Oxford University, and Michelle Connolly with the United Way of West Central Mississippi. Now, this program is a production of MPB Think Radio in conjunction with MPB's Education Department and the Mississippi Department of Education. For Tara Wren, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women and join us next Friday right here at 10 a.m. on MPB Think Radio.